You're listening to the Arturnia Archives. Enjoy. In the early part of the morning, the train still smoking on the tracks. Uh, the surrounding area is mostly gravel because of the way that the train is built up. The hills nearby are grassy and tree-covered, providing a decent amount of shade, making a nice cool morning. The trees in the area are browns, dark greens, dark browns, dark greens, and grays, kind of familiar to those people who've been back east, especially around the Mississippi area. Pine trees around here aren't as tall, but they're still kind of tall-ish. People have gotten off the train and begin wandering about, taking a moment to bring in the environment since the train has come to a complete stop. Um, Our heroes, the posse, Ollie and Anne McDade, along with uh, our friend, what was her name again? Uh, yeah. Exactly. Lorraine have been um, being a bit idle along the side of the train. So this is probably about 15 to 20 minutes after last game session, just to give you guys an idea. Miss McDade just got finished throwing this crate down the embankment into the stones and the bushes and the river. So that's Thanks to Rusty. She had the idea to, to get rid of the damn thing, so like, we'll take it. And so now here we are. Trains come to a stop, and everybody's taking a moment to get out and wander around. Now, of course, there was a moment where people were like, oh, it's not safe, don't get out. And the old whiskery man, Whiskey, goes, oh, no, we're far from Indian territory. They ain't going to come this far out. And if they do, it'd be rather rare, and they'd be low in numbers. It's too risky. We're too close to Fort insert name of U.S. Fort nearby, because I don't have that information. Do your research. I have a day job. Eats up my time. (laughs) I think the level of research you do is perfect, Mr. GM, sir. That might be worth a bounty. Rusty, we're fighting now. Alright, well, I'm up by a bounty. (laughs) So, uh, with Whiskey's uh, reassurance to everyone, uh, Ollie's gonna go, yeah, I'm sure you're right, but uh, I think I'm gonna just hang out of this Winchester anyhow, just in case. That Winchester was not originally yours. That's the one you got from the Father Cross? Yes, he Excellent. lent it to me, and he has not been here to ask for it back, so I, I have so far kept it. We might be lucky enough he'll be showing back up with us to uh, fix that problem. I'm not sure me having an extra rifle is really a problem. That's true, but that's my perspective. I refer to a lot of things as problems until they're fixed. All right, Lorraine, uh, of course, is sticking nearby the two of you, and she is still a bit shaken by everything that's gone on. You guys are a bit tougher than she is, so she's definitely scared of all this weird stuff or this veteran of the Weird West kind of things that have been going on. Though she has a good understanding of some strangeness herself, this is definitely beyond her expertise. So she's staying as close as she can, to uh, Anne, and and if possible, she's trying to hold on to your hand. Now, I do know that you're wearing gloves, so and that is a concern for you all the time. She's definitely trying to stay close. Um, people are getting out. They're walking around. They seem to have no idea. The rest of the passengers seem to have no idea that something perspired. I mean, they know stuff was going on in the train, the engine, and stuff like that, but I have no idea about the crate or anything else. How do you guys want to move forward from this moment? What do you want to do? Ollie's primary concern is kind of just riding herd on people. Uh, He's going to start kind of thinking of the passengers of the train as like a herd of cattle on a drive. 
uh, and not let any wander too far from the herd. Like that's basically as he's like, there's safety in numbers out here in the wide open, nothing. So let's make sure everybody stays close. Um, if nobody else is stepping up and taking charge, Ollie will kind of reluctantly do so, um, but he's gonna kind of look around and like hope that maybe Father Cross uh, is acting like an authority figure, or maybe um, you know Bixby, uh, who's not in great shape, but he can maybe still yell at people. Like he's the railroad guy, and, you know. So Ollie's gonna kind of look around and see if, sorry, uh, see if if anybody else is speaking up and trying to like keep people organized and he's kind of hoping that someone else will. Anne? Um, Anna's a little nervous after whatever she was fighting mm-hmm. inside her. Uh, um, she hasn't felt that since she left home. Um, so she's a little worried that uh, that she's on um, a little bit of the wrong path because lately uh, God's been guiding her in the right direction, she feels, because she has been struggling with this as much. Um, so I think she's gonna kind of search out Father Cross and uh, um, maybe encourage some uh, some prayers together um, or even uh, invite some of the others in that are kind of concerned. And there is a decent, there's a few number of people in the train who are concerned about, you know, what's going on. So they want to do some praying and whatnot. The morning, of course, gives an opportunity for some good morning prayer. And Father Cross sees a decent patch of green grass illuminated by the early morning sun coming through the hills. And he thinks that is the best place, not too far from the train, to have an early morning gathering. Some of the ladies will grab some bread, some tea, and some honey and make their way over that way, toss out some blankets, while the engineer begins laboring with his injury and figuring out what to do next. Bixby, of course, is still succumbed to his injuries. He will take no effort to start controlling people. Um, Malone, wasn't his Frank. Frank, of yeah, course. Frank Malone, he was the Pony Express rider, right? Yes, he is. He will definitely, with your aid, start to kind of like wander around and keep an eye on people and stuff like that. Um, he will approach you and make mention that he saw only a few people move over that way. And uh, he's going to go to the back of the train and hang out near the caboose just to keep an eye out. He remembers his days being in the U.S. Army. And so he always understands and feels compassionate or at least important to watch the rear. Yeah, I reckon that's probably a good idea. Uh, maybe go and climb up on top of that caboose and just keep a pretty good eye out. Uh, you got a, a rifle with you back there? No, I do not. All I've got is this shotgun. So unless oh, yeah. you got something to spare, I can go bug uh, Whiskey and see if he'll let me borrow his. Uh, I got one. I'll, I'll hold on to Father Cross's Winchester here. Uh, you take this Remington I picked up. Uh, I've got that Remington rolling block rifle. It's just a one shot, but it's got a pretty long range on it. So I'd say that's pretty solid for somebody kind of on high ground, keeping an eye out. So I will lend him that Remington rolling block that I uh, believe I snagged off a corpse, uh, as I recall. Uh, so I'll lend him that and I'll hold on to the Winchester. Uh, and then, yeah, Ollie's gonna start making the rounds. And like, in Ollie's mind, this isn't like, like people that are on the lookout for angry natives. This is like a cattle drive of, you know, cattle that that we've swiped from someone and we're on the lookout for authorities. But he's like, 
it's a startlingly similar frame of mind. Like you want to keep a lookout, you want to keep everybody together, uh, and then you need to figure out where the hell you're going to go now that you're done with this rustling. So Ollie's going to make the rounds to a couple of the kind of small groups of nameless NPCs and just tell folks, you know, either stay real here, you know, stay on the train or go with Father Cross and them. Uh, some ladies packed up some bread. They're going to do a little service, but stay one of those two places, y'all. Let's keep close and just kind of keep everybody under watch. And then he's going to go talk to the engineer and see what our our getaway plan is, for lack of a better term. Okay. Um, during your rounds, uh, the children are all being meandered over to the... I forgot the word, but it's laid on a piece of cloth and you lay it on a bed. Sometimes picnic? Been... Yes, the cloth. Picnic? Picnic cloth. Words! Um, you notice Natty is definitely catches you a side eye and with his little wooden rifle gives you a nod like his job is over here, you know? He's definitely blanket! That's the word, man. Okay, here we go. How in the world can I even forget? Anyways, Natty gives you a nod as he's heading over with the rest of the um, kids as if to give you that mm. Yeah, like, like it's okay, I, I'll watch this group. This. Yeah, that yeah. type of, uh, all right, it's good yeah. game, good game. Because if you remember, when you were taking your nap like the first day, he was just standing, or second day, he was just staring at you like, you know. Yeah, yeah, Natty's a good kid. He's gonna, so, he's gonna grow up fine. So uh, it looks like we have just received uh, Father Crosses joining us. So we'll definitely give a moment to let him slide on in. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I've only been gaming for a couple of hours and drinking for a little bit of it. Um, so I'm going to hold these descriptions. We're going to bring Father Cross into our phone call. So the rest of you guys get a little break screen for a moment, and we will be right back. I think it's this.
Let's see how bad this looks. Hey everybody, we're back. That's not too bad. I've got a black bar to one side of my face. I can fix that. Uh, welcome back. Just real quick, I'm Max the Marshal. I've got uh, Rusty playing Ollie, Sarah playing uh, Anne McDade, and James playing Father Cross. So we've got everybody back and ready to rock and roll, do this thing. Uh, I hope you guys can hear me. We're gonna do a quick sound check to make sure everybody can be heard. Rusty? Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, Hello, can you hear me? And last but not least, Father Cross. Check. Excellent, I see the microphone information's moving, so it looks like we're good to go. Um, so, uh, all good. Father Cross, you're up at a picnic on a thing called a blanket. <laughs> because I had problems with that word. Uh, Ollie is making eye contact with the little kid named Natty, and Natty's like, he's got this with his wooden gun. You were headed to go speak with McAllister uh, at the front of the engine. Uh, is McAllister the engineer's name? He is. All right, cool, because I had not gotten a name for him yet. He was always just the engineer. So, all right, I'll update my notes. And the name of the guy who does the shoveling is called Shoveler. At least that's what's in my... All right, bam, you make it to the front of the train. McAllister, along with uh, Vandenberg and the accountant, is up at the front of the engine, and Vandenberg seems to be more engaged with McAllister, his voice being loud. Well, how long will that take? And McAllister's response, I don't know. I've got a lot of figuring out of what tools I have. If you just take a mindful moment and back to Hank B with the rest of the passengers, I can get started and figure out what happens next. And Vandenberg's like, well, I'm here to help as much as possible. I'm an able-bodied mechanic myself. I've worked on a couple of machines. This is the time at which you're walking in. I've worked on a couple of machines myself. I got a good understanding how a steam engine works. Why don't you clue me in on what needs to be done and then we can go from there. Kind of feel like you might as well put him to work, McAllister. I, I don't reckon there's too many more of us back here that are able and willing to roll up our sleeves and work on some fancified contraption like this. The elderly engineer stares at you. That's <sighs> oh, just another person. That... And uh, gives a nod. I understand where you're coming from. I need a moment to figure out what tools those idiots back in um, Little Rock actually put on the train before we left. From my understanding, there was a bit of confusion on what should and shouldn't have been on board. Vandenberg says, are you saying they sent us without proper equipment? I don't think that's very advisable. I could have my lawyers on this, if that's true. Being stranded out here like this, and he continues down the rambling moment. He's, before he easy on, Mr. Vandenberg. I think he's saying he's not sure if we got the proper equipment. And let's remember that we did fight off at least two good Native American incursions and who knows what they might have made off with. Uh, so let's just let him take stock and see what we got. Uh, Mr. McAllister, if we can't get this iron pony up and running, uh, then what? We just leave the train here until someone comes along? We wait for someone to rally up a posse and dodge and come our way? What's the uh, going railroad, you know, book say about this sort of thing? Vanderberg takes a moment as you kind of give him a slight but gentle brush off. He rubs his big ass belly and then he puts his hands into his pockets and stares at you. It's more of a, not a concern of dislike, but kind of like questioning. Who is this gunslinger? Who is this guy to talk? McAllister stares at the ground and then looks up to you. You can see the man's lost a bit of sleep, but he's doing good considering he got shot in the guts. And he says, 
it'll be about two days before they even round anybody up, at least one day before they had a, a rider down this way. We're supposed to be there, and he pulls out his pocket watch, in about eight hours. So sometime tomorrow morning, they would send somebody riding this way if we don't show. We can be up to six hours late, no more, no less. Uh, what's uh, eight hours by train on uh, people on foot? Sometime tomorrow around nine o'clock at night, they should be arriving here as he looks down at his watch and does math in his head. You think, uh, I don't know, you think we could fit everybody on one car? Maybe use the, the horses in back of the train to get something moving in the right direction? He stares at you quizzically, trying to just give a... <sighs> no, 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 that's a... Vandenberg is, that's not about it. And McAllister waves his hands. No, 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 that's a terrible idea. The horses aren't strong enough to pull one car and we'd be going backwards. We don't even have a split anywhere near here. No, <sighs> he looks to the two. If you really want to help, go back to the, go back to the, the first cargo car there and look for any of the tools that are supposed to be on board. They're going to be in a red box with a symbol for the train on it. Not a train, but the train's logo, the river with a tree on it. Right, red box full of tools. Uh, let's go take a look. Come on, Shoveler. Let's get up there and see what we can get done. You can definitely tell that man is disgruntled at the fact you guys are harassing him and wishes Big Speed to be here so that he has some sort of buffer between him and the rest of the world. Yeah, Ollie just does not like sitting still. It goes against his nature. Uh, so he's trying to think of any plan that can keep people moving. But if it's just a matter of waiting till it gets fixed, then it's just a matter of waiting till it gets fixed. So uh, he will amble on back towards the cargo car and go looking for the red box with the train, uh, well, the train company logo on it. Vanderberg joins you and begins wandering around too as he begins looking. How big do you think this box could possibly be? The man finds like little things to try to edge you into a conversation. He seems to be trying to be friendly. Yeah, but he's a banker and I don't consort with his type. Uh, so Ollie will not be openly unfriendly, uh, but Ollie will just go, well, I don't know. I ain't never worked on steam engines before, so I don't know how big the tools are supposed to be. Let's just find this red box and bring it up front. Okay. As you two are digging around, we're going to go over and check out the early morning prayer. Father Cross, you have gathered everybody from the train to have a moment uh, in prayer. And to your benefit, uh, the banker and his accountant assistant, the, those who love money and not the Lord, have decided not to join. Uh, Whiskey has decided not to join either. He seems to be out wandering around and um, Ollie and Frank Malone also are not there with you, but you've got everybody else's attention. The small child known as Natty, the one who gave the problem about hiding some time ago, seems to be at the back of the congregation pacing back and forth, looking out into the distance across the fields of grass and trees with a wooden rifle in hand as if he is playing guard duty. The rest of the family has gathered together. They brought bread, honey, and tea to have a sit down eat in the early morning. Everyone is focused on you. Even the Pinkertons have come out to have a sit and listen. All right. Uh, after making sure everyone's comfortable and uh, we've got everyone set up, it, uh, and everyone can see me. I'll turn around and raise my head to the sky, hand in one Bible. 
raise my voice to make sure everybody in the crowd can hear me, including any of the others nearby. Mm-hmm. Go, oh God of peace, who has taught us that in returning and rest, we shall be saved in quietness and confidence shall be our strength. And I look around at each of them uh, as I continue on. By the might of thy spirit, lift up. We pray to thee, to thy presence, where we may be still and know that thou art God. That is Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Awesome. As you... Go ahead. I said amen. As do so many others sitting upon that beautiful grassy hill. You picked a place in which the sun is casting, and this this is the sole spot in the entire area, so only the, the, the blankets and the parishioners around you are illuminated at this moment in time. And everybody's just like, they're very serene at this point. You can see that you've built a lot of confidence, and a lot of people will get a plus two guts check bonus later on to dealing with some terrible shit if it comes along in the meantime on this train ride. That includes our players. Um, you can definitely hear the father's words echoing across the valley area that you're in, even though Vandenberg is blah, blah. Okay, so it's the guys up on the hill. I I go ahead and look around just knowing that uh, the others have are not there like Ollie and a few of the others by choice, but I look around not trying to see if they're paying attention, but just seeing if they are within close proximity that as a shepherd of the flock, I'm trying to make sure that the ones wandering around are still in close proximity. Uh, Frank Malone is, he's sitting on the back of the train at distance, and you hope he can hear you, but his focus seems to be out in the distance behind the train. Um, the black man seems to have kept his distance from pretty much everybody else. Uh, he hasn't joined in any of your sermons, so he might not be Christian, but he might also be. Um, you know he comes from the South, and he fought in the U.S. Army. At least you saw that much in his uniform. So he might be one of those regiments of uh, uh, escaped slaves who turned against the South. Right. Uh, you're not sure. You are definitely not sure. Miss Lorraine is there with you, but she seems to be mostly in attendance to Miss McDade. Um, you're not sure. You've never seen her with a cross before, and you already know that her faith or belief is questionable at this point in time, uh, especially after that whole incident with Vandenberg and her and whatnot, where you drew your God gun. loves people, even if they're wrong. I love it. It's wonderful. Yeah, it brings a tear to my eye. All right. <clears throat> so, um... You get a chance to start breaking bread, drinking tea, having honey with all these people. You get a chance to mill about, check up on Miss Thompson. She's doing fine. She seemed to have a wet, restful night, even though considering everything in the middle, beginning of the part of the night was pretty hectic. After that, things calmed down, you know, and everybody had a chance to rest. They were worried because the train was making horrible noises, but they're feeling much confident, more confident now. Mr. Lockett is, thanks you of course for your wonderful words because he himself is very distressed about the whole thing um is it that there anything that the two of you want to engage before i get back over to ollie for a moment um, i'm just reflecting on uh like kind of squashing what's going on inside of me like i'm trying to kind of reassure lorraine but my heart's not 
as in it as it has been before because I'm um, having my own struggle with uh, with the Lord. Okay. You have a strange, uh, not like this moment, but this has been definitely carrying on, resonating. Um, since that moment, you felt that when Ollie pulled out his gun and threatened the thing inside you, that that thing chose to live or at least keep doing whatever it's doing and therefore you were able to get free. Ollie really did scare the devil inside you or the devil inside that rock, but you're not sure which it was that was controlling you. You're not sure what at this point in time, so there's a lot of questions. Do you still feel that wiggle? Yes, but it seems to have calmed down. Like an infant who has finally gotten a chance to get to sleep, it's resting at this moment. You feel fine, you feel awake, you feel as yourself, but there is definitely a fear that there's someone else walking in your shadow. Dear Lord, please uh, guide me through this and please uh, please make sure that um, if there's something uh, the, the devil put inside me, please make sure that, that no one gets hurt that I can continue to live under uh, your rule and um, and help me through this this terrible ordeal. And I will reiterate, Ollie didn't actually draw his gun. He has pointed out he actually just threatened it. So um, I need you to make a faith roll, Sarah, and let me know those results. Uh, you're just rolling your faith. If you don't have your faith, it's a spirit roll. For the record, it was the, uh, the prayer that nobody gets hurt that I was giggling at because I think she's cut about a dozen people in half and only some of them work with her bare hands. But she's like, nah, they don't count. I just mean people like, oh, no. Indians are people. Oh. So cringe-worthy. That's what Aaron's, or where, uh, where she's been through. All right, a nine. Cut. My screens are so not organized today. Uh-oh. Thank you, by the way, Teslin, for those suggestions. I have a bunch of names for you. Yep, I'm using some of what you suggested, some of what I've picked up, and some of those. All right, um, yeah, I'll keep a hold of that number for later, and we will see how reaching out to God to see if you gave you any help. Father Cross, you've had a chance to speak with your flock. Is there anything else you want to do? Well, since uh, they are all beginning to sit down to eat. I'll do uh, a little bit of just walking around, uh, make sure individuals are doing all right, um, especially the ones that have had hardships so far, uh, the most, I should say. And then I will go sit down and eat. Okay, yeah, there's been some hardship on this ride. Like, you've ridden a train before. This is the first train right here, like, and I hope it gets over soon. Not your words, my words. Close enough. Yep, that's what I meant. Excellent. All right, Ollie, you and Vandenberg, more you than Vandenberg, find the box in question. Get a chance to get it open, look through it. You're not sure what you're looking for, but you found the box. The two of you will be more than capable of maneuvering out of the second, the third car, and getting it up to the engineer to open it up and show him all the things that you have found. Upon looking at this... It's a, like, it's a little troubling that we can easily carry all of the tools and replacement parts. I'm like, that's actually not reassuring, Max. Uh, in welcome. the short term, my laziness approves, uh, but in the long term, my concern for our train has just spiked, so thanks for that. 
welcome. As you open the box and McAllister takes a moment to kind of dust his hands and looks into the box, his face goes from disgruntled acceptance of his personal existence in this hell to upset, disgruntled acceptance of this personal hell and remorse for this current, it drops. Like he goes from grumpy cat to I don't know what and <sighs> sighs. Those damn idiots. He hops down from the train, walks over and begins looking through, pulls out a bar and a pipe wrench looking thing and a couple of, ain't nothing else back there. Nothing we saw and this thing wasn't, you know, lying on its side, busted open or nothing. So I don't think there's any loose stuff back there. Pulls out pipes and corner pieces and stuff like that and begins arranging them, looking at the train and whatnot. I'm missing a number of things, especially damn hammer. Scour the train for anything that could be used as a tool. If Bixby's up, get his attention and get him to help you if he can. I need something to help me out here. I mean, I can do a lot with this, but... And he looks to the two of you. I'm an old man with broken hands, and I'm dealing with... And he points at the shoveler. With that, for assistance, I can't do this. I can't. He's angry at this point in time. I'm doing everything a damn well can just to make it to Dodge City. Well, uh, if you can't, let's say we can't fix the train. What, what do we do? We just camp down and wait? Uh, I'm not a big fan of holding still, but I figure that might be what's safest for the women and children and such. But, uh, I, mister, if you can't fix this thing, I don't know who can. He just stares at you for a moment and has like a blank, you know, distancing. I don't have an answer just yet. Check the rest of the train cars, look for anything. I don't know, see if Bixby can help you out. If not, maybe we start walking. Maybe you start walking. Uh, I, I, I feel like last I checked, we had a train car full of pretty healthy looking nags back there. I'd just as soon ride instead of walk, but I get your point. Uh, I'll ask around, see if anybody spots any tools. I'll see if anybody else knows how to work on these sorts of things while I'm at it. And uh, we'll send folks your way if uh, if we figure they can help. He grabs one of the tools and a piece of pipe and climbs back up on the train, yelling at the shoveler. Vandenberg follows after you as you walk away. I think that man from the Pinkertons, the one that talks too much, he might be a smart enough fellow. Yeah, he might be. I think he tries to hide it with all them words and such, but they did have some fancy shooting irons and maybe they know how to work other contraptions and the like. Uh, you go take a look for more tools. I'll go, <laughs> I'll go take a look for the Pinkertons. He gives a nod and heads up into the train and start wandering around. You make your way across the gravel to the grassy fields and up the hillside and into the sunlight. You give a chance to walk past Natty. He gives you a nod. I will, uh, I'll tousle his hair on the way by and say, everything looking all right, uh, deputy? He responds with, I saw some engines up on the hillside, but I shot at him. They ran off. And he's trying to sound like you. That's fair. I mean, Ollie's pretty awesome to like a 10 year old kid. Uh, so Ollie will just give him a, a great nod. All right. <laughs> good, good man. Keep an eye out for me. Uh, and then, yeah, I'll mosey around and go go looking for some lawmen to save the day, like, like Ollie does. <laughs> You're able to get up with the rest of the group, and you get a chance to talk to. Uh, Dr. Webb and Dr. Walters. Dr. Walters has a, a decent amount of understanding of how machinery works, and he'll be more than glad to throw his hat in. Um, Dr. I Webb, will, on the other hand, go ahead. Uh, I will suggest that he also helps scour the train for parts on his way up to the engine. So, like, he can, he can look for tools 
on his way up, so I'm not sending him straight to the engineer, so the engineer is a little less likely to kill him. Oh, man. Uh, I figured if he shows up with some repair parts or tools, uh, good. Even if all he does is get to the engineer more slowly, the engineer still kind of owes me a favor. So yeah, I'll, I'll try to hit home that we need someone with a keen eye to go uh, fetching all these tools and such. So maybe you start at the caboose and work your way forward. Keep an eye out for anything that might be able to fix that engine. Definitely mitigating the damage that the poor engineer is going to go through. I'm going to let you draw a chip for that one. That is very thoughtful. Yeah, yeah I um, turned it from a burst damage to a damage over time, basically. But <laughs> Yeah, Dr. Like Walters that. is going to talk his fucking ear off. McAllister is going to just kill his ass a shotgun. Ah, right, well, it got, me, it got me a red chip, so I'm willing to sa I'll sacrifice uh, Dr. Walters for a red chip. <laughs> All right. Him and Dr. Webb will do so, but Dr. Webb, of course, is a doctor more than he is an engineer and has only some understandings of how engines will work, but he will assist how he can. Um, besides, he has patients to watch after. All right, you've talked to the Pinkertons. Lorraine uh, sees you and, and kind of gives like a half wave. Uh, I will shoot her a confident-looking wink and a smile uh, because Ollie is all about keeping up appearances around the women folk. Sounds good. Uh, and then I'm assuming people are still fairly gathered together over here, like, they kind of split apart for picnicky stuff, but the church and folk are still probably all within earshot, I would say. Oh, yeah. Uh, then Ollie will go uh, against his, his better nature and uh, will raise his voice. Go, hey, uh, everybody, listen on for a minute. Uh, hope uh, this doesn't quite count as interrupting a service, Father, because it looks like y'all were mostly done, but uh, Mr. McAllister up in the engine. He's gonna need him some more hands to help out. Uh, kind of literally on account of he got hurt, but also, uh, I don't know, me metaphorically or whatever, he just needs more people up there. Uh, if anybody knows anything about fixing these uh, steam-powered contraptions and such, uh, if you can head on up to the front of the train and help out, it'd be much appreciated and uh, get us all moving this last uh, stretch of rail towards Dodge that much quicker. Silence rolls over the crowd. Most people murmur for a moment. Um, I stand up and I say, well, I don't know much about steam engines, but I will lend a hand to anyone willing to show me what I need to do to help out. Ooh. And I will uh, I will pull my, uh, my blazer off as I'm starting to head that way. Awesome. Throwing yourself in there definitely like that gets the rest of the congregation to give a nod and an agreement that they also will do whatever it takes to get this up and running. We are extra hands, and, and this is God's country, therefore we're all going to do whatever we can to help out. And so the picnic kind of gets a surreptitious ending to it, majority, as the folks get up and begin heading back toward the train. Ollie, you find yourself uh, pretty much by, uh, it's you, Lorraine, and Miss McDade now, as the picnics come to an end. Ah, perfect. Did anybody leave food behind while they scampered away? No. Uh, like it was all just a scheme. Uh, yeah, he'll he'll mosey over to the to the ladies and check on them uh, before. I'm assuming like we'll talk while the three of us are walking back towards the train, kind of slowly. Uh, but yeah, we'll go check on the the pretty young single ladies in the group. Lorraine, um, as you approach, hello, Ali. That was good words. You got the father to make everyone want to help out. Well, uh, just eager to get this old iron horse moving and uh, get all these God-fearing ticket-purchasing folks to dodge. 
she will smile at you uh, and look to Anne. Are we, uh, are we two going to help out? If there's any way we can, I'm happy to help. She gives uh, a nod. Then I am happy to help. Um, how can we help, Audi? Well, uh, I figure right now our biggest issue is making sure no more of those kids run off and get lost. Uh, just as long as we can keep everybody together in just one or two big groups, uh, I figure that's probably our best bet. And uh, I don't picture too many folk running away from you two in your smiling faces. So uh, maybe kind of just help ride sidekick and uh, run herd here, keep everybody together. I figure that's safest bet for everybody times like these. I don't see Lorraine arguing too much with that. She doesn't have much of a, a good say for this. I, I just kind of uh, smile at him and uh, uh, kind of like give him an encouraging look for us to get on with it. Okay. The um, Everybody gathers back up front and with the assistance of Dr. Walters, a number of them have made efforts to uh, gather what they think is a tool and bring it to the front of the train. For the most part, everybody does a decent job of finding what would be best look like a tool. Some people, of course, bringing forward a frying pan, thinking a frying pan could just fit into the hole and solve the problem. The engineer takes a look over the, the collection of mismatched tools, gives a nod, and says, this is, this is good, but this isn't really going to help out. I've got a lot to work with, and, and I really appreciate what you folks are doing, but I need some time to get this a bit more organized. It goes from more of an acceptance speech of, oh, look, you did stuff, to like, oh, man, this is not useful, as he's looking upon it. Bixby has joined you all in this gathering as he is a bit more up. He's sitting on one part of the rail train, and he said, well, and he just burst out, and he says, well, if it's is that dire, then maybe it's a good idea to go ahead and start making plans for all of us to maybe stay up in the train for a while while a few of us ride toward Dodge City or the next stop that we can get to. The engineer, realizing Bixby's there, immediately steps back because this is not his forte. He's just the engineer. The conductor kind of agrees. That's a good possibility. Um, and um, while everybody's having a chance to talk and, and this art discussion of what to do, um, you in particular, you notice that uh, from your point of view, where you're standing at the train, there is a column of smoke probably about a hill away. I mean, it doesn't, you don't pay too much mind to it, but you do notice it. It's a straight column of smoke going up in the sky and kind of like dispersing. Something you would see Something maybe coming see out maybe of a, a fire or a chimney. Hey y'all, what, what, what's that over there? This draws attention to everybody and everyone else. You see a column of smoke. A woman cries out, oh my goodness, Indians. Whiskey oh no, Go ahead. Anybody, anybody can start a fire. Uh, <laughs> Whiskey says, uh, if this was Indians, there'd be more to it. They don't normally just let their smoke look like that. They use it, disperse it, so that the people don't see where they're coming from. So let's uh, let's not get everybody spooked, but uh, yeah, everybody just head on. Uh, let's all stay on the train for now. And uh, maybe a couple of us will uh, mosey on over and take a look, uh, maybe see who started that fire, and then maybe just uh, get a look at some horses and look into some other options. Uh, but yeah, just everybody stay cool and uh, not, uh, not go panicking folks about any more uh, redskin braves coming our way, huh? The Lord is gonna guide us right anyway, and I'll start kind of humming a hymn to, and kind of using the voice to keep people calm. 
Father Cross, you were going to say something? Hmm? I nod to Ollie and I say, I'll go to the top of the hill with you, volunteering him as much as myself. Yeah, Ollie trusts himself to go look better than anyone else. Uh, he's, he's certainly not going to be uh, delegating the exciting jobs to anyone. Uh, so yeah, he'll just give you a nod. Oh, Padre, I guess let's, uh, let's just go for a walk. So, um, so I'm I'll come along too. Oh, go ahead. If you don't mind, gentlemen, I'll come along. Ollie will give Father Cross a questioning shrug, like a why not sort of, sort of, uh, expression on his face. I nod and I say, I have no problems with it. Come along, Miss Day. Yeah, let's see what a, a woman's eye will catch that maybe ours will miss. All right. Vandenberg was, uh, as you, as so you guys are all moving up to the top of the hill to kind of get a better eye onto where this smoke is coming. I assume that's the goal at this point. Well, alrighty then, that's a cognition check from the rest of you. The difficulty is, from this distance, a whopping nine. Alrighty. Now, chat, you guys are going to see a blur of numbers fly by here in a moment, so I will definitely repeat out who got what. It's Rusty's. Alright, there's an 11. Father Cross is probably not paying attention too well. And I'm trying not to trip over my skirt on this hill. <laughs> that was an awful lot of twos that Miss McDade rolled, yeah. It is, isn't it? <laughs> you guys get to the top of the hill and there's a lot of squinting. Ollie, you have a moment yeah, to... Um, Ollie's actually gonna kind of like crouch down and move up kind of slowly from the top of the hill. Uh, he's not like super good at sneaking, but uh, he, he puts in a good faith effort. It looks like you... You get the feeling he might have looked out for people from the top of hills while trying not to be seen before a time or two. I honestly feel like the only people who would recognize that are the Pinkertons. Sure. All right. Um, as the three of you get to the top of a hill and kind of gaze over, try to get an idea, none of you can see anything worthwhile right off the bat. Ollie, you maneuver for a minute, step this side, kind of crouch down, and then you see fences. You see railing, and you think you see, yeah, it's a farmstead. That smoke is coming from a farmstead, right at least a hill over. There we go. Uh, Somebody's made home out here, and they got some critters they're trying to keep fenced in. Uh, Yeah, I reckon it wouldn't do no harm if we went on over and said hello and asked them, uh, I don't know, where we might ride to next to look for some help. And then he'll look kind of questioningly up the two of you, like, do we want to just go over right now? Or, you know. I look to where he's pointing out uh, the homestead and... Uh, you see trees? <laughs> um, I just realized that that didn't pick up my third die. I'm not worried about it. Uh, yeah, I uh, look in the direction of the smoke and I say, about how far off do you think? About how, how far off do I think? Uh, on foot is probably going to take you about the better part of uh, better part of two hours. Being careful because it's a lot of up and down hills through forest. Horseback it might take you about an hour, but then, like I said, a bunch of up and down hills, and you risk the horse getting hurt. Yeah, it's uh going to take us till about noon if we go on foot. We could cut that time in half on horseback. Uh, I suppose maybe we could ask one of the horse owners back at the train if I could borrow theirs. Uh, seemed to have misplaced my good mare about a week ago. Lorraine will be like, oh no, Ollie, that's terrible. What happened? She's she's not here to say that though, right? Or did she come with? Oh, Lorraine's no. not left McDade's side. Okay. Oh, uh, misunderstanding with some folk that had more guns than I did. 
He leaves the answer kind of that mysterious, though. He does not specify <laughs> that it was. He doesn't. He doesn't say it was a posse or anything. That doesn't want people to get the wrong impression of it. I have a horse of my own as well. Uh, why don't we see who will let you borrow one, and at least the two of us can ride over. All right then. Let's head on back to the train and see how folks is doing. There might be a small town closer than we realized. Could be. Uh, could be. Hopefully, they'll be able to help us out a little. All right. You're right back at the train. Um, and I do apologize if that was not the impression. Miss Lorraine is not leaving Miss Dates, Miss Anne's side, because of fear of being around Vandenberg. That's fair. You get back to the train and uh, announce to what, uh, I guess, everyone or the engineer what you found. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of feel like towards the front of the train is like the new social gathering spot. I figure like it's kind of where we last left off people. So uh, we know that somebody that's nominally in charge will be there. Uh, I figure probably, uh, you know, Bixby's not going to go real far from there. Uh, so yeah, I figure that's kind of our, our default announcement spot to the NPCs. Uh, so yeah, we'll head back in the general direction of the front of the train. Uh, and then we tell just Bixby for the time being, we don't want to spook, uh, the people that live there if an entire train people suddenly show up on their front doorstep unexpectedly. Yeah, I figure probably a smaller group that maybe has a, a holy man and a pretty young woman or two and it might come off as a bit less threatening uh, than just a, a dusty cowboy like me riding up by himself. Hi, REM PCs. It's me, REM Alternus, and I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you to our Patreon backers. Seriously, your support makes all of what we do possible, and we are all extremely grateful for each and every one of you. If you aren't yet a Patreon backer, you can head over to www.patreon.com slash to check out the different tiers and rewards we have available. All Patreons get access to our podcast releases a week early, get their names in the credits of our live streamed shows, have first dibs on any casting calls for new games and shows we produce, and more. Once again, you can join our Heroes Hall at www.patreon.com slash remalternus, and thank you all again for listening. Now back to the show. Okay. And probably less threatening than a couple dozen folk all half panicked and such. That's but, fair. So yeah, we'll tell the uh, the engineer and uh, Bixby, uh, like, yeah, it's, uh, it's a homestead over yonder. It's going to take us a good bit of time to get there on foot, but uh, if we could uh, borrow a couple of the horses from that car, and honestly, it might do the horses some good to get some sunshine, stretch your legs a bit, but... Uh, figure we need permission from a railroad agent and such in order to dabble with the cargo in that kind of way. Um, as um, the discussion comes up, the Bixby suggests that some of the kids and at least one adult take the horses out to give them some walking because that's going to be important. Two, 
Lorraine points out that she also has a small pony, and she's more than happy to share it, um, if not ride it, because she has a pony. Vandenberg has a horse himself, yes, the banker, and considering that'll get the train back up and running, and he needs to get to Dodge City, he's okay with letting Ollie, who seems to be an upstanding individual, ride his horse. Especially where other people's livestock is concerned. Yep. Yeah. Um, as soon as the talk comes of, of like, assigning people horses and stuff, um, I go, uh, actually, you know, wh wh why don't I stay behind uh, and, uh, and look after things here? In case people have questions or concerns, I I'd be happy to hold down the fort right here. Lorraine points out that she has a horse, so it's not a big deal. You can ride with her. I, I, I get a little twitchy around horses, and they seem to be able to pick up on that. She says that her horse is beautiful and loving, loves everyone. Carrots, too. She seems to be um, trying really hard to counteract your negativity. Well, uh, let's, let's just let you two stay behind, then. I guess me and the Padre will go poke around, and, uh, uh, Miss McDade, maybe you can, uh, sing a song or two and just keep spirits up here trainside. I get real excited about that, and I go, I could do that. I, I even have my violin. Maybe I'll get out some, uh, some music for people. How's that sound, Miss Lorraine? You, uh, stay here and keep the folks happy with Miss McDade? She looks to you, realizing that you're about to ride off into the sunset without her, and she looks to Anne, and she's like, but we might get to meet country folk. Well, then why don't you go along with, uh, with Mr. Ollie? All right, um... She's very hesitant of this. You're going to need to make a persuasion check to actually convince her to do so. Because she really just wants to stay at your side, but being away from... Ollie's side is just as safe. I understand that, but, you know... Okay, she will... Uh, she said, you think it'll be okay? And she's asking you directly, Ollie, if I go with... Uh, well, it might. And I uh, figure we might look a bit less threatening uh, if we bring her along. Uh... What do you think, Padre? I think a lady might help the situation. I am going to go ahead and uh, have a little talk with my horse. Uh, I will let you figure out who is going to go with us, Ollie. And uh, since a few people have nominated to allow you to take their horse, I'll let you figure that out. I'll be right back. And I'm heading over to the car where all the horses were. Mm -hmm. Since my horse and I don't get along, this may take a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I ain't really used to telling other people where they can and can't go, so uh, it's really up to you, Miss Platt. If you'd like to ride along, then I'm sure the father and I would be more than happy to have you. If you'd rather stay here and help Miss McDade keep everybody calm and happy, I'm sure she'd, uh, she'd like that just fine, too. Okay. Um, she takes a moment, looks to you, Anne, and then looks over to Ollie, and she goes, Are you sure you don't want to go? You know, trying to convince you one last time, Anne, to join with the rest of the posse and go check out uh, a tiny farmstead. Cause she, it, she, in my head, I go, the horses don't want me to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to her, I'll go, um, you know, I... I I think that uh, the gentleman will, will make a fine afternoon of it for you. So uh, you go on and have fun, and I'll see you as soon as you get back. She gives a nod and heads to the horse. Second car, third, fourth car, fourth car to get her horse. All right. It's going to take a little bit of time to get all the horses put together and saddled up. Yeah. 
Ollie's gonna use his saddle on Vandenberg's horse. Like he's got his own saddle. He's got his own saddlebags. Uh, he will he will use his stuff. Uh, but yeah, he will pretty politely take Vandenberg up on that. Okay. You guys mount up on your horse. James, what are you gonna do to convince your horse to actually listen to you? All right, since it's not that far back, I'm gonna swing by uh, the kitchen car. Mm-hmm. Uh, and look around for a bag of apples I remember quoting as being seen in there at one point. That was a couple of game sessions ago. Glad you at least remembered it. I'm going to grab a few. Uh, I'm actually going to grab the entire bag. I'm going to walk in there, and I'm going to step in front of my horse. First things first, don't give me that look. Yes, we're going out for a ride. Yes, I'm going to be using my saddle. Yes, I'm going to be riding you. Tell you what, and I set the bag down, find the nicest looking apple, biggest one, and I hold it out to him. All right. At that point in time, he kind of gives you the side eye, looks at the apple, looks to you. It's an unreassuring assuring look as the horse realizes there's some level of fuckery going on here, and you're trying to, uh, what is that? Hedge your bets. We're just going out for a nice ride in the hills. We'll be coming back. Not more than a couple hours. The horse will turn around and turn its ass to you from inside the stall, not even taking the apple. Go ahead, make your animal handling roll. You said animal wrangling? Yes, I forgot that's what it's called. This game, <laughs> I keep forgetting, like all the awesome little names they have. Animal shoot. It's not firearms. Shoot. Well, that's weird. What's weird? But the skill itself actually does not have a die beside it. It means you did Oh, that's right. It. It's got a, uh, it's got a specialization on it. Yeah, I think Bronco Bustin is the one for dealing with horse. Even though we're not actually busting a Bronco uh, so much as just doing horsey stuff. Yeah, that's what I, I had to go looking for it a while ago myself. <laughs> and that's what I did. I put the skill point into it, but not the special. Nope. Yeah, like I said, the horse turns away from you and just looks to the other end of the stall, which is now looking at a wall, but it's flicking its tail at you. I sigh and I go, all right, since it's looking the other way, mm-hmm. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to grab the saddle blanket and I'm going to lay it over his back. Alrighty then. It doesn't have much room to negotiate in these tiny pins, so it just gives you a hump. I'm gonna go ahead and start saddling him. All right. If hey. he looks over his shoulder, mm-hmm. I'm gonna start putting. I'm gonna put a few apples. We had a blackout there, moment. Yeah, it's like, and it looks like we lost Sarah. I mean, we still have her because we haven't lost the target zone, which your character, her uh, camera appears. So yeah. Discord just had a hiccup. There she is. Sorry about that. Looks like she's still frozen on Twitch, but that might just be the lag on Twitch. Should be the lag. Should be the lag. And still freaking out because of the horses. That's what happened. Oh, so you uh, begin saddling your horse. It doesn't fight you in the ordeal. Can everyone on Twitch still hear me? Just checking on that. My indications say that I'm making awesome. Um, the horse doesn't freak out, doesn't fight with you. Just as you begin putting the bit, like the, when you go to put the bit and bridle in, it's like looks away a bunch. It doesn't fight you to the point where it's like you can't put the bit and bridle in. But at some point in time, it puts the bit and bridle in, like pushes it off to one side. Finally, you put it in and get it nice and tightened on. And it just kind of looks at you like, really? All right. Time passes. Fast forward. Ollie, you've got uh, Vandenberg's 
beautiful uh, horse. Like, it's like uber groomed, man. Well taken care of, comes trotting out. Um, Lorraine's horse is a little bit of a tiny pony and seems to have been decently taken care of. But Vanderberg's looks like he actually puts conditioner in his horse's mane kind of scenario. And then finally, after about a good five minutes of verbally asking the horse to get out of the cart, Father Cross's horse finally comes out. Um, Father Cross, of course, giving pushes and pulls to assist the horse, and the horse seemed to have no influence under Father Cross's minuscule weight in comparison to this large animal. Father yeah, horse hey, Padre, you need a hand over there? I, uh pretty all right with horses and such, especially ones that belong to other folk. But anyways, I just, I got a decent way with animals. I think we found a middle ground for now. If I start to have... The horse will stop at that point in time and back up and like it's looking at him and then starts heading back to the car. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna try making a riding check. All right, uh, he runs toward the horse, roll. <laughs> Push the button. Oh, he's looking for been so long since I've done a riding check, I don't know uh, there it is. <laughs> the horse is getting closer <laughs> I can't to remember the where it was. <laughs> the horse is leaving. He's right. The father's. <laughs> the father races back for the horse. By the way, everybody is spectating to this moment in time. The father rushes back to the horse. He grabs a hold of the saddle horn, begins throwing his leg up, throwing his leg up. At some point, the horse rock goes up the little ramp. And the father has no ground to hold on to. So the father is dragging along the side until the horse goes into the car and the father has to let go as the horse goes back into the horse cart. Yeah, uh, it looks like the middle ground is him going back to, uh, back to bed instead of kicking you or something. Uh, can, can I just try to help a bit, Pod? Please. All right. That's a good boy. Come on now. Turn around. Take a look at this pretty filly I'm up on top of. Here we go. I got your eye. Let's go. And he'll start using uh, his combination of animal wrangling and his the soothing voice merit, uh, which will give him a bonus on it. Uh, and if uh, there's still an apple line around, he'll glossy it up real good on his shirt. And, and hold it out to try to kind of lure the horse out, sure. get its attention, and then try to grab the reins, basically. Okay. Is what he's working on. Uh, well, that's a five. <laughs> you do some sweet talking, the horse comes to the door of the car and just stares out at the two of you. This is, um, this Henri beast just looks at you, even with apple and uh, a nice little filly to go along with. He doesn't seem to care. <laughs> this horse has more attitude. <laughs> uh, the most Do you people. want sugar? Padre, I can, uh, I can try to get a rope around his neck, but uh, I don't want him kicking at you inside. I mean, all he does have is uh, his lasso on his hip. Uh, it kind of always has, but he doesn't want to... He'd rather not make a huge deal out of this if he can help. All right. I look at the horse and I go, all right, we can't go anywhere unless you help me out here. And I'm gonna, you know, I don't have the voice like <laughs> nope. Ollie. You actually have penalties. And, yeah. and I look at him and I go, just this once, please. All right. And I will try uh, animal wrangling again uh, as I'm trying to persuade him. Are there, uh, are there rules for like an assist? in this game it's like it could be padre assistant ollie or or something like that are there sort of like teamwork stuff 
There no, every Every RPG handles it differently. There are two. Actually, there is. I just don't remember. Uh, I believe Oops. he's got to make a. He's got to succeed at a target number five. I it believe. Is. Yeah, that's right. And then he get. Uh, and then the assisting character or characters provide a plus two per, if I remember. Per right. base. Yep. That's what I remember as well. Well, I do not remember it, but I will take your all's word for it, because I couldn't find it doing a control F for teamwork or for a. Um, so, all right, who of us needs to roll what? Well, uh, if the father is rolling to gain control of his horse, he needs to make a animal wrangling roll because he has penalties to actually animal wrangle. You've just rolled bad because the horse is already at a disposition. Um, so, I mean, you should have gotten better, even with your bonuses. Uh, maybe I could consider, like, the apple would be like a plus one, but I'd still consider it uh, a difficult. So we're looking at a seven is the magic number here that I'd like to see the player succeed in. Otherwise, Father Cross just needs to find a horse that doesn't have an attitude problem. Yeah, this is an onerous horse, so therefore it gets a seven, which is the onerous seven. Yeah, I hope you didn't pay full price for this. <laughs> um, the church. All right, so Padre was going to make a second. A smart horse. Smart so I ass. The, yeah, I think Padre was going to make a second try first. Okay. Uh, so I guess you go ahead and roll that, and then what's like what's the assist thing? I get I give him a plus two. You, you said, roll. You're trying to get a five. If you get a five, that's plus two. If you get a ten, that's plus four. If you get a fifteen, that's plus six. All right, well, I got a six, so that's made it by one. You got more focused, but you're chuckling too hard to be very effective at this point in time because you've seen horses with character, and this horse has a lot of it, and it ain't putting up with nobody's crap. <laughs> Padre, this horse, reminds me, <laughs> this horse reminds me of the sister superior back home in Galveston. She did not do nothing till her mind was made up to do it. I'm pretty sure Lord himself could have come down and told her to stop sweeping before the corners was clean and she would have said no i think i met that woman all right father (laughs) 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 the horse goes back in it closes the door behind it no so here's what happens here's what happens you're throwing in a blue chip all right Go ahead, throw in your blue chip. <laughs> oh my goodness. You only got one of them. You're not going to throw in a red chip because that would give me a chip. I get that. Exactly. <laughs> Roll die. I love that. Wow. Roll We're your D6. Point. We're at the point of using some of the best chips in the game <laughs> to just try and not get your horse to leave. <laughs> I, I personally... As a game master and a player, like when uh, my characters or the players have something that's a required skill that they suck at. Um, I've played many, a, I had a fighter once that had a horrible charisma and he liked to socialize and get people in trouble, mainly himself. So I, I'm enjoying this. This is a nice little ch- Okay, so, so I had a three plus a two for Molly. That's a five. Yeah. Uh, Apple gives a one, we're at six. Six. Still one away. And... So. There you are. As he's standing next to the ramp, the horse is in the door. You've made good gestures. You've even called, come on, come on, right? The father gets, runs up the ramp comically. Now, he's now almost a comical character. He goes up the ramp. 
he grabs a hold of the, the, the reins of the horse, and he's like, come on, you can do this. He's got the apple in front. He gives a tug, and the horse kind of gives a tug back. The father gives a stronger tug. The horse gives a bit of a stronger tug. Ollie, you can see what's about to happen. And the father Padre, does. Padre, you ain't gonna... Uh... Padre grabs a hold, and he yanks as hard as he possibly can. And that horse digs in hard. There's a quick tug of war, and then there's a whip. The father goes flying off to one side of the train, hits the side of the train, falls to the crowd, the horse then steps back in, grabs the door handle, and slides the door shut. I, uh... Okay. I'm... I'm... I... I know about this point. I'm... I'm... Uh... You know, People I'm, I'm are seeing laughing. about five or... I'm seeing about five or six of everything, including the stars, even though it's broad daylight. I get up, stumble sideways about seven steps, straighten out. Uh, my shirt and I start what I think is heading forward even though I know I'm going off to the left when I realize I'm going the wrong way I put my left to the way we want to go and I start crab walking that way until I can focus enough to start walking well the, the good news is ain't nobody gonna steal it anytime soon uh, why don't we see if you could borrow another horse from someone maybe nice stop all right after a little negotiations with other passengers, the Thompson family, her husband, had a horse. Uh, so that was going to help them carry their stuff. It is an older, um, it's an older horse. And so, yeah, they put the saddle on it. This one's a less, a lot less disagreeable. Ollie's the one who convinces it to come out. And it does not seem to have as much of a disposition problem to you as you would expect. But then again, it only seems to pay attention to when Ollie tells it to do anything. So you have a horse, it's just not listening to you, just like your horse doesn't listen to you. That's all right. That's a good girl. There we go. Right. She's mellow. She'll be fine. Uh, I, I reckon she can follow us. Uh, I reckon she'll follow us. Okay, Padre, jump on up there before she wanders off. That's a good girl. Yeah. I, I will uh, uh, get up in the saddle and uh, just... Let Ollie take the lead. Okay. As you guys begin riding toward the smoke, um, Lorraine will ask, I have never seen a horse hate someone so much. What did you do to her? <laughs> Animals don't really like considering what I usually do. And I'm only saying this once the three of us are out of earshot of She really hates else. you. Well, I, uh, I guess the good Lord seems to like you, okay? So that probably evens it out. Uh, <laughs> well, most of the time. You should talk to well, your Christ God so he can tell the horse to like you. Well, I think he's a little upset that we went charging into a nest of Mojave Rattlers last year. Oh, he's a boy. Yeah. He hates you. <laughs> and she laughs at yeah. you. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, that's going to be the talk of the train for a little bit. Keep the morale up, Padre. That's all. Yes, at least I am able to keep everyone in high spirit. That's true. All right. Um, we're going to take a, uh, we're going to take the point of view from the train as the three riders begin heading through, uh, the grassy patches and the smart dirt path through these forested areas. And there's some shaded places. It's nice. It's a cool ride. The, this early part of the day and you guys begin dipping um, between gullies and valleys and over small hills, heading 
onto the, the ne- side of the next big hill, trying to get to where you saw this smoke. All uh, The order of operations with the, who's out front? Uh, well, I feel like it's probably not Father Cross, since his horse doesn't go when he wants it to. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I think it's, yeah, I figure it's probably Ollie up front. Um, we've got Miss Lorraine probably riding next to me and, and we'll be chatting. I'm, I'm trying to pick up some more French. So we'll point at a tree, and we'll point at a pony, and we'll point at a horse, and Ollie will keep on using his gift of gab to, to pick up a little more French from her. Um, and uh, yeah, and then I figure Father Cross's horse follows us from behind, and Father Cross hangs on. Um, you, you go down into one um, culvert, and it's quite a bit of shale and whatnot that looks like it's been worked. You yourself has have a chance to see this kind of. Um, oh, thank you, Thomas. Or uh, oh no, that oh, was no, that, that was me. Oh, look at you helping out with the French. I'm learning French just like Ollie is. Very awesome. Um, and so you you're done with this culvert. It's a, a little prospecting area where somebody hit, or sorry, mining area where uh, people have uh, dug out shale for either roofing or some sort of stonework and whatnot. And so you're passing through that. That's something you've seen in your life, as well as Father Cross. You've seen that as well. Um, uh, only Lorraine is one who's just, she has no idea. It's just rocks as far as she's concerned. She's lived most of her life in a city of some. Um, so you guys are passing through that. And as you come up and around, it's uh, the path is dirt and you found it. You found this path leading from this little area. And as you come up and whatnot, you see a fence pump. Well, uh, here we are, Padre. Uh, reckon it might be best if, uh, you do most of the talking. Uh, I can hang back a little bit, and, uh, Miss Lorraine can just stand there and look all reassuring and such. Very well. Uh, Ollie will hold the reins on Father Cross's borrowed horse. Uh, so it's nice and still for him to hop off, and then Ollie will take care of just... Quick, quick lashing reins to the fence type of thing. And, now you are at a fence, just, you're at a corner of the fence post. Let me let me do a bit more description. Oh, you have come sorry. out of this area, there's a fence post. The fence runs along length into some nearby trees in both directions. There are path in both ways, and you know the direction toward the house that you need to go. It looks like one leads off into some fields, so the house is still behind some trees and over a hill and everything, but this is the point where Father Cross taking the lead might not be a bad idea, especially... Yeah, gotcha. I'm sorry. I thought you meant like we were basically there, there. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, no, Ollie's gonna stay up front, uh, and Ollie also has a reason for that regarding ambushes and such. He'd rather be in front than not. He's not worried about that. So he'll stay up front till we get there. Basically. You're riding with a rifle out? Uh, he's got, uh, uh, like a scabbard for it on his whole, on his, uh, saddle, so he'll leave it in that. Okay, okay. So as you guys are riding, um, the fence post, the fence line is along your right-hand side, and you guys are riding in some, some trees. Somebody didn't clear out the area too much, just enough to put a path in the fence down and stuff like that. Maybe it's for the purpose of cat pasture and cows, because you can tell by the size of the fence itself. Wood planks, these are easy to pry off and get some cattle out of. Bob wire would be better, but you understand how to get past bob wire, especially when you've lots of cattle. I'm certain I don't know what you mean, sir. Oh, well, moving forward, the, the, as you're going down this length of fence post and whatnot, um, something catches your eye. Make, actually, let's see if you even notice it. See if you're paying attention for these little details. Make a cognition check, Ollie. Everybody else can make a cognition check, but Ollie has a five to notice, which is a fair, while everyone else has an onris. 
Can I see it from way back at the train? Fortunately, no. Uh, that's a five. Father Cross, all right. My rolls are getting higher. Whoever set this length of fence up really just kind of put it in place. But the trail, on the other hand, has a lot of switchbacks. And you're noticing that a trail has been cleared in and out of the local tree line, but not normally crossed. So as a large herd of cattle can be brought in and out to pasture, but not following the normal path, which people on horseback would follow, which is fine. This is something that wouldn't be abnormal. But what you do notice is that the frequency of which this pasture might be used is very slim or limited. You would expect somebody to, you know, at least use their pasture more often. This farmstead, by just looking at the wood, looks at least a couple of years old. Can't possibly have missed, you know, that many cattle runs. Unless, you know, maybe you found a farm that doesn't actually have cattle or doesn't use that much cattle. It's just kind of odd. It's something who would have, it's somebody who would have a lot of knowledge of handling cattle would notice. So yeah, it just looks like it's just got less traffic than it should, basically. That is correct. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll just kind of keep that. And you're also noticing as you're traveling the length of this field, you have yet to see one head. And it's a big field. There should be something. It's that time of year. Well, uh, he'll mention as we make our... Looks like there might not be many folks at home, but somebody had to start that fire, so I reckon we'll spot someone. All right. But uh, but these folk might have some sort of problems of their own, Father. So, uh, I don't know. Let's just uh, be on our best behavior, he says to, like, the, the adorable little French lady and, and the Catholic priest. It's like, yeah, <laughs> so you guys be good. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> you guys be good, because that way I can be bad for everybody. All right, you guys run through another section of uh, grounding that has a bunch of dugout shale and whatnot. This mountain has got a lot, decent amount of it. As you're coming back out to the next side, um, you hear a familiar click, click, tink noise of a hammer being cocked. And as you immediately, you know, make your perception to veer to one side, you did not see it, but there is a man on horseback sitting to the left-hand side of this valley in a very covered position. He sees you, and he has a rifle ready. Molly will make a big show, like stretching like he's yawning, and then just conveniently leave his hands up. So it's not like an alarmed, oh no, he's just gonna make a show of kind of keeping his hands off his guns and go, afternoon. The man on horseback is wearing a duster or at least a coat of some type and a brimmed hat, just like you are. And as he kind of raises his, brings this rifle down a little bit, Oleander yells out and a familiar voice echoes across the hills. <laughs> this is, this is probably not going to be good. Uh, uh, yeah. The man's voice remembers echoing distantly back. You hear him yell out, hey, Cody, it's Ollie. Get up here. He got a woman with him. And uh, you hear a, a horse coming up from behind this gentleman. And as you squint hard, you see Dwight, another one of the orphans that you grew up with, another one of the rough boys that you and a couple of your other orphan friends, orphan brothers, used to get into a lot of fun with. Dwight, yeah. Dwight holsters his rifle and begins riding up. I'll be damned, is it ain't Ollie? Oh, uh, shit, uh, boy. Howdy, boys. Uh... 
Cody and Jeb come up pulling behind the two of them, both dressed in pretty much the similar kind of garb that you're used to. Long range riding, handkerchiefs tied around their neck, hats with bolos, hats with ties and bolos. Jeb is one of the more quieter ones. He's all in black, he's tall and sits in the back of the three horses. Dwight gives a nod, a smile, and tips his hat back, mostly paying attention to Lorraine sitting next to him. Well, it uh, looks like you boys made it out of Galveston eventually after all. We did. Looks like you need to shore up your debts there, Ollie. Ah, I don't got a whole lot of debt waiting on me back in Galveston. Oh, yes, you do. You said that if I messed around with Captain Bernardo's wife, I'd be a dead man. Now he got a cannonball to the face, and she's up with my kin back in Galveston. Ain't got no worries about that no more. <laughs> got out of yeah. that one, didn't I? <laughs> we, uh, we made that bet a long time ago. I... I don't remember exactly how much we wagered on it, but uh, I'll pay it back real soon. Oh, that's uh, good. Listen, listen, fellas, uh, this is Father Cross, and uh, this is my friend, Miss Lorraine. Uh, we're on a train over yonder that's had a few engine troubles, <laughs> and a few engine troubles. Uh, we're uh, looking over yonder homestead, see if folks might know where we can ride to go looking for some help. Cody gives an on at your wife. Uh, no, just, uh, just a friend of mine from the train. But Ollie's horse will still, like, sidestep a little bit closer, um, like, kind of protectively uh, putting himself in between them. Cody was the youngest one to actually draw blood. At 12 years old, he shot a man on a stagecoach in defense. That's not the only time he shot a man, but that was the first time he shot a man. He goes, ma'am, you, you guys want to come up to the house? Sister Teresa's decided to put together a, a little of a gathering up here since Blake took ill. It's just fortuitous that you have arrived. It's as if God has sent us a message. What do you think, Ollie? Well, uh, I do got a priest with me, uh, so who knows? It's been a pretty queer last couple of days. I suppose it's not the strangest thing possible. Lord intended us to be here, but I gotta tell you, fellas, he could have just uh, told me a little more plainly than he did. Uh, Dwight, but yeah. Dwight will smile. Well, that's good. You got a priest with you, and you got a fine young lady with you. Maybe we have a wedding this weekend. Uh, I, I don't know about all that. We got to get to Dodge pretty soon. Dwight's sister and says, come on, Ollie. We'll ride you up to the house. Sister Teresa would be happy to see you. Also, Blake's up there. Did you hear about JC? I haven't really heard about none of you fellas since uh, I headed up and got all tangled up in that damn hoodoo war. He gives a nod. We heard a little bit about you. <laughs> Had a lawman come through and give Sister Teresa a little bit of a talking to about her knowledge of where you might be. We were all sorts of kind to him up front. <laughs> oh, Dave. man. I tell you, fellas, that business back in Mason just got way out of hand, but... Oh, didn't it, though? Oh, yeah, let's, uh, let's just go say hi. And you do. You ride over the hill, falling behind Cody and Dwight. They happily follow you and know, lead the way. Jeb, on the other hand, one of the older boys, he's quiet. He doesn't say anything. He just stares at you guys as you ride by. He like, was in the we... U.S. Army for right after everybody pretty much left Galveston. He went north, and then came back down south with a gun in his hand, wearing a blue coat. He doesn't talk much. Actually wearing a blue coat uh, in Galveston, I imagine he doesn't. Um, so yeah, as we're making our way, you know, through the woods along the path, uh, Ollie will kind of toss over his shoulder to Father Cross. 
there's Blake, Dwight, Cody, Jeb, and Sister Teresa. I, I don't know, you y'all might know each other, but she's the one that uh, runs St. Mary's down in Galveston, where I uh, I was raised up prior to uh, finding myself on the prairies, Texas. But uh, yeah, it's uh, some strange luck come across these boys, but I figure they can help us out. The one boy called by the name of Dwight says, yeah, I was down about the way of Austin. I was uh, making some amends with the Lord. And he kind of makes a sloppy gesture of a cross across his body and goes, and then all of a sudden I got a letter from Sister Teresa saying Blake is sick. And everybody needs to come up and make sure to kind of help him out, tend to his farm so he can get better. So I dropped everything I was doing. It's kind of good, I guess. He looks over to you, Ollie, specifically. I had too many friends that were trying to say hello to me back in Austin. Cleared up some debts, hit the road. Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing just seems to follow a couple of us down in Texas. Uh, I'm afraid I exactly been in the uh, letter-catching business lately, or I'm sure I, I'd have got one. Uh, how's Blake doing now? He's turned worse for the wear. Uh, Sister Teresa believes he might have cancer, the stuffy canker sores. Canker sores eating them up on the they call it can canker eating them up on the inside. So. They didn't cancer well, is a term that didn't really come around till just recently. We knew of it. They just called it canker cankerous. Well, uh, and I guess if nothing else, I'll get to uh say goodbye to him and uh got Father Cross here and he could probably help out Sister Teresa with a couple prayers and such. We'll uh we'll see how things turn out. Right. He'll say trying to to sound kinda upbeat. <laughs> trying to. Oh, you just rode into a den of wolves. All right. Um, getting to the farmstead, you do, it seems like a very productive looking one. You can see that there's a barn. There's uh, a, a little bit of a, like a, a makeshift silo that's prepped. You can see what looks like a blacksmithing setup. So there's a possibility of some tools, which you've got a list from the black, the engineer McAllister to look for. And um, yeah. So there's, there's that. You've got definitely that to work with. And as you come pulling up, you can see Blake. He's sitting out on the porch. He's got blankets over him. He looks whiter than a sheet of paper. And uh, he's by himself. And he just seems to be staring off into the distance as you guys come riding up a horse. Uh, Dwight yells out to him, informing him of who he found. And apparently that's enough to get Blake's attention to make his, him roll his head over and look in your direction. Um, Blake always had something smart to say to you. And in Blake's eyes, you were always the slowest, the thick-wittest, the he didn't like you. He treated you like shit. But they were yeah. just like boys being boys. You know what I'm talking about. Sure, I've only got a, I've only got D10s and smarts. It all makes perfect sense the way boys treat one another. It's, it's all all right, you come riding up to the farmstead, and uh, Father Cross, did you want to say anything or jump in here? Because right now it's a bunch of, let hey, let's take a look at Holly's backstory. I'm I'm staying quiet at the moment because <laughs> uh, bef before we ran across them, my thought was first person we came across, I'd be doing most of the talking. And now it seems that pretty much the orphanage he grew up in has moved from Galveston, Galveston to Kansas. So I'm letting him relive his past while uh, while I'm looking around and I'm looking forward to meeting the sister Teresa because I am actually going to genuinely 
thank her for the way she raised him because he's been such a big help on that train ride. <laughs> hey, Sister Teresa, the way you taught him to shoot was really helpful. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, so yeah, Ollie'll amble on up and then, you know, swing a leg over his horse and hop off. Go, hey, what do you say, Blakey boy? I heard you've been uh, losing some weight. He stares at you and there's a lot of distance in his eyes and uh, you can see he's very thin. I mean, maybe days or weeks before it's all over. He leans forward in his rocking chair, I guess to get as close as he possibly can to see you. Ollie, you son of a bitch. Now, now, that ain't no way to talk about a strange woman that neither of us ever met. How you doing, Blake? I heard you got a good thing going up here. And I'll go in and offer, like, a sincere handshake type of thing. It's been ten years, maybe he's not an asshole anymore. <laughs> right? Maybe their life has desalted him. Yeah, like, going from, like, like 12 or 13 to 22 or 23, that's a big, it's a big Huge. difference in somebody. He stares at you, and when he reaches his hand out as best he can, you can definitely see he's infirmed and much thinner than you remember. Even from your younger years, looking up to him, he was always big and doesn't seem to have carried through to this moment in time. He try he takes your hand as best he can. It's very soft and very plaid, palatable. You know, plush is like, what, pliable? Pliable. It's like, it's like uncomfortable the way his hand feels. You're more looking towards something rugged. No calluses exist. Um, and then you hear this voice from inside, uh, a woman's voice. Oh my goodness, by God's grace, is that Ollie? And uh, the door swings open and a woman comes out, an older woman, uh, gray-haired, fit for her age. And she sees you, it's Sister Teresa. And you see she's not wearing any of the gownments, any of the arraignments at all. She's just in normal clothes. Yeah, Ollie's gonna like let out a whoop and like run in to snatch her up off her feet and a hug and stuff. She laughs and laughs and as you give it a warm embracing hug, there's a moment where like, um, it's, it's joyous, man. You remember this woman torturing you on a day-to-day -day basis with a ruler, but some reason, this is happiness. This is like a coming home moment races through your heart. Even though that there's moments where she was mad at you or she punished you, but she taught you and there's a lot running through your head because it's been years since you've seen her. We're gonna pan back over to Father Cross and Lorraine and Cody and, and uh, Dwight. And Dwight looks over to Lorraine. You like to dance? We can have a hoedown later tonight. And Lorraine, at this point in time, doesn't have Ollie, doesn't have Anne, has nobody. And she realizes this and you can see she turns a shade of red and begins either blushing out of embarrassment or maybe fear. Um, she begins to stutter and stammer as she tries to find the words to, to say in response to Dwight's. I open my mouth about that time and I say, Miss Lorraine's a little shy around new people. Well, heck, if she doesn't want to dance, I can show her some other tricks. <laughs> and, uh, Cody kind of gives a smile and nod because they are not the safest individuals around. Jeb rides his horse off to the stalls to take care of business. That's what he does. Sister Teresa gives, as you put her down, she's like, let me look at you. Oh, what happened to her? Where have you been? I've had nothing but trouble. I had lawmen coming here. And then she gets angry and she like raises her hand almost as she wants to slap you for a moment. Then she puts it down, lawmen, what have you been doing? Oh, just things got a little interesting there in Mason County. Uh, I was just doing my job tending to cattle for the Schmitz and them, and things just, how? 
you know how things get. Everything went crazy, and there's Texas Rangers on both sides, and a couple of lynch mobs, and a couple of posses. I just left once everything got all messy and it started making it in the newspapers and such, but uh, I, I figured I'd go north instead of south so I wouldn't bring none of that trouble back down to St. Mary's or anything. And oh, I've just been working since, riding trails and tending herds and such. Tears but, come uh, to her eyes as you talk and she reaches up not to slap you, but to touch you on your face in a gentle kind of way. And she says, Ollie, you stopped swearing. I, Maybe not entirely. Uh, I won't promise that circumstances will never again arise where such an utterance might escape my mouth, but, uh, you know, times is tough sometimes, and words slip out, but not not as often as last time you saw me, no. The Lord can forgive you for the small things, but your mouth was as dirty as a swamp water. Oh, she seems very relieved at this moment in time. And she looks over to Blake. Blake, look, Ollie's come to see you. And he gives a nod. I can tell. I'm glad to see him. I'd like to go back inside and maybe have some coffee. And she nods. Of course. You can see that Blake has taken the worst turn in his life. And Sister Teresa honestly looks like she's come out to help one of the boys she helped raise in the last moments of his life, as this is part of her responsibility. Uh, she turns at this point in time as she's helping Blake up, ordering Cody to help as well, who jumps the gun. Ollie, when she says, Cody, get off your horse, part of you also, like, snaps to that responsive, like, oh, crap, I got to do something. Mom told me to do it. Yeah, Ollie will help Blake up, uh... You know, since he's the one that's already standing right there. But yeah, he'll he'll help out, help him get on his feet and stuff. Uh, he'll do so, I don't want to say hesitantly, but uh, carefully, because he's also not sure how much help Blake wants, right. how much help he's used to getting. You know, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, whenever you're helping somebody like that, you don't want to over or underdo it. Uh, but right. he'll at least, you know, he'll put in a good faith effort to, you know, he'll start by just helping Blake out of the chair and then kind of see how steady he looks on his feet and, you know, stuff like that. Um, and as as Blake gets somebody else's help inside, inside, uh, Ollie will turn and, and wave and go, this, uh, I done forgot. Uh, sister, this is Father Cross and uh, uh, this is Miss Lorraine. Uh, there's some new friends of mine. How are you, sister? She gives an off. Father, I don't think we've had a chance to meet. I'm from... Um, St. Mary's in Galveston. Where are you from? St. George's. She looks for a moment. St. George's? Oh, my. She gives a nod and turns to Miss Lorraine. And you, young lady? And she responds, I am from Louisiana. I come from New Orleans. I am not Christian. <laughs> uh, sister, <laughs> the sister kind of nods. That's fine. We accept anyone here. Would you like to come inside? I made apple pie for breakfast and we have plenty left over. And then it starts devolving into something that you weren't expecting. It devolves into like a family gathering. You guys are brought in. It's it's Ollie's mom, basically, and his brothers, his four brothers. They all seem to have incredibly different characteristics. Cody and Dwight seem almost inseparable. And for the most part, not the most pleasant individuals. Like the the world might be a little bit better if they were a little more separable. Uh, I picture them kind of egging the rest of us on, you know. Yeah. Um, Cody Dwight wants to point out that Cody was in a gunfight, which ended with the death of three marshals and a judge. Like this is the biggest thing. Dwight points out that Cody got in gunfight. Cody, the one who's been shooting men his entire life. Billy the Kid has nothing on this guy, you know? And so he's like, 
Dwight brags about Cody's murderous appetite. It's not something you haven't known. Cody's been faster to draw and kill somebody without question. Kind of in a, the degree where you mimic your own mentality when you think about how fast to decide. You saw it one night back in Galveston. Everybody was a little bit tipsy. Maybe you were a bit young. That man was giving you guys some hell. Cody didn't question it. As everybody had stepped outside, he stepped out of the bar too to say some words. Boom! Cody blew him away. Sister Teresa found out about it, and there was lots of praying and crying afterwards. Nobody said anything. The man went for his gun. That's what you all agreed upon. You saw him reach for his gun. Cody was just faster. Uh, Ollie tends to uh, try to avoid those situations, but, you know, he understands that sometimes circumstances arise. He has yet to find himself in the circumstances of three marshals and a judge. But if he'd stuck around in Mason County, who knows? Uh, <laughs> you would about yourself. He'll try, he'll, uh, he'll try not to judge or anything. And go, well, uh, listen, uh, oh, no, yeah, no, I'll take a, I'll take a slice of pie. Let's give that little slice to Miss Lorraine and get me a proper one. Um, but I, uh, I ain't gonna lie to you, sister. I'm, uh, I hadn't heard nothing wrong with Blake. Uh, I've been on the trails. I ain't found no letters or nothing. Uh, it's just pure dumb luck and the grace of God. We found you lot today and instead of some strangers, uh, we got a train full of folk on their way to Dodge. Uh, and this ride has been plagued with all manner of wickedness and ill luck. And uh, we just saw the smoke from the chimney and figured we'd come and see if uh, whoever runs this homestead might have some uh, some tools we could borrow or any sort of advice of where we might be able to ride to get word to Dodge that we need some help. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I wish I could take credit for coming here just to check on Blake and help you boys out. But uh, yeah, this ain't just, uh, it's just dumb luck. You'd be proud of your boy, sister. He's been one of the hardest working fellows on this train ride, keeping the peace, keeping people safe. And I've seen him save lives. Oh, Dust, I, I Dwight, don't know about all that. Dwight, Cody, have a good chuckle over that one. Ollie will blush a little bit. He goes, oh, I, nothing. Just, you know, folks attacking the train and it's only fair the train attacks them right back. Uh, yeah, I got my own reasons to be going to Dodge, but it's the Padre here who paid my ticket, so he's the one to thank for anybody I might have saved taking shots at them dog soldiers and such. Sister Teresa reaches out and he puts her hand on your hand and she says, Father Cross, why did you buy pay for his ticket? Well, I just happened to be looking out the window, saw this young fellow running for the train. God shined a light on him for that split second. Made me look even harder. Saw that there was something in him. She turns and looks back to you, Ali. She's still got her hand on your hand. The Lord works in mysterious ways. I think this is a strong message. Well, like I said, it otherwise be an awfully strange uh, compilation of coincidences. But uh, yeah, I gotta tell you, it's nice to see everybody. I figure it's pretty slim odds that that train had die right out front, practically on y'all's porch. Uh, but yeah, we, we got a bunch of people there needing tools and help and such, but... Uh... She gives a nod, she gives a nod to that. Of course, of course, Blake has quite a number of tools, and she looks over to Blake. Blake, they're in need of help. God has sent 
Ollie here to make sure he has a chance to see. This is a moment. You need to do right with God. And then she looks over to you. Father Cross, this is your I chance to like put some words in with a dying man to see if you convince him to borrow some. Then we're going to slide we've back got, over to Sarah the last part. We've got several families in need, friend. And I'd be willing to help you in any way I could if you wish it. And call it trade for a trade. Lord's killing me. This can't die soon tell you to take it. I want to go to my room. And Cody gives a nod before Sister Teresa can say anything. He gets up. You tell your God to take this sick and throw. Uh, that's what I'm going to stick. I stand up and I move over to him. I say, why don't we talk about this in private? Okay. And we can talk to him together. All right. So you, Blake, and go into the... Cody will help you get him into the room where you have a sit down and a moment of peace or to, to talk to him. Yes. All right. Like, as, as yeah. they're leaving, Ollie will just lean in just real quick to the sister like, I've seen him do some stuff, sister. Uh, the type of miracles you raised us on hearing about. Like, I, this whole train ride's been full of queerness, but but I've seen him do some really strange stuff, so could be uh, just what Blake needs. He's from St. George. All the greatest of priests come from St. George. So yeah, he'll try to kind of reassure the sister as, uh, as Father Cross goes off. And then I'm just gonna dig in on some more apple pie. Fuck, yeah. Lorraine tries to make sure to sit as closest to you as possible and away from the Cody and Dwight. <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's go back to the father or Sarah, because uh, I'm just gonna eat some apple pie for a bite. Uh, well, we are going to go to Sarah. Father Cross, you need to kind of get an idea of what you're going to do or say, and we're going to go back to Sarah for a little bit. We will catch back up with you just before this. I don't know, it just depends on how long you guys want to run. I'm just going to kind of move into this next part. <laughs> um, do you guys need a break? Do we need a couple of minutes before we get started in the next part? Are you all good? I could use a bottle of water. If you, We're going to take a short break, and that'll give me a chance to recharge my glass. Uh, you guys do your thing, and we'll be back. Listening to another fine tale in the Alternia archives. Feel free to leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, or wherever you listen to our archive. So until next time, take care of yourself, okay? Goodbye.